0: My name is Lynn Washington, from WNYC Studios. This is Snap Judgment, Classic. We're gonna kick off today's show with Rosemary, who had one goal in her life, to get to the celestial kingdom. Snap Judgment.
1: I grew up in a, kind of a rural town. The bus had to drive 25 minutes from the school to come get us. And about the third grade, um, as I was coming home on the bus one day, one of my classmates, he said, hey, aren't you a polygamist? And I had no idea what a polygamist was. But he just kept asking, aren't you a polygamist? He was saying it like it was something bad. And so I went home and I, I asked my mom, what a polygamist was, and so she explained to me that it was where a man has more than one wife. My dad had another family, Aunt Rhoda's family, and then dad's third wife lived right next to us. Her name was Aunt Colleen. I call Aunt Rhoda and Aunt Colleen my aunts, but they're actually just my mother's, um, my dad's other wives. I realized that I was different from other people. There was this word that defined me, a polygamist. Religion was the center part of our lives. We prayed three times a day, and the end goal was to reach the celestial kingdom.
2: Rosemary's family was part of a fundamentalist religion known as the AUB, which stands for Apostolic United Brethren, but they call themselves the group. There's about 10,000 of them, all polygamists, living mostly in Utah, but with small communities all over the world, including a big temple in Mexico. Members of the AUB are known for being pretty upfront about their polygamous practice, and Rosemary was proud of her big family.
1: I was taught that families are the most important thing. or Well, first God, then family, and then country. That's how the hierarchy went as far as what was important in life. We were in the right religion.
2: As Rosemary grew older, she prayed all the time. In the morning, at church, just before bed, she was praying to find the right husband. And by the time she was 17...
1: This person comes in to the group. He moves down with his family from Washington.
2: His name was Brady, and he was a recent convert. He was whip-smart and handsome.
1: I, I'm a legs person, so I thought he had great legs. <laughs> he was definitely good looking and, you know, great family. He was not related. And, you know, there's slim pickings for us for us women <laughs> where we have to find men who are not related to us. And I talked to Brady, and he was so different. When he would speak, he would have an opinion which which was so refreshing. <laughs> I remember just looking into his eyes on our way down to the Manti pageant. And I realized that this is somebody you need to take seriously as a future husband.
2: It turns out Rosemary wasn't the only one interested in the new, smart, handsome guy.
1: And I just figured, you know, there's a lot of people that like him, so it looks like I don't have a chance. My parents did not like that I was dating a convert. A lot of converts, you know, they come into the group, and then... They're there for a while and they get wives and then they leave. And their biggest fear with Brady was that he would get married to me and that eventually he would decide to leave and take me with him. So no, we didn't get married. He married Polly. My name is Polly Williams. And then he married Robin. I'm Robin. How are you today? This is me watching him progress in this polygamous culture. I just thought, well... Maybe my time will come.
2: Rosemary waited, and finally, five years after she first met Brady, he asked her to become wife number three. They were to be married in the AUB Temple, which from the outside looks just like a regular suburban home.
1: Okay, so my marriage day came, and part of the process is...
3: I'm kneeling on one side of the altar, with Rosemary also kneeling directly across from me, and then Polly and Robin... Are kneeling on the other side of the altar.
4: Everybody's wearing white. It's all white and gold. There there are mirrors on the walls that are supposed to represent eternity because if you look one way you can just see yourself going forever. And You know, gold chandeliers, gold trim in white It's supposed to represent, you know, the celestial kingdom. The wife right before you
1: is supposed to take your hand and put it on her husband's hand. And so Robin being the second wife, was supposed to take my hand and put it on
4: Brady's hand. I was asked of your own free will and choice, do you give this woman to your husband, you know, and... She hesitated, that was a really scary
1: moment because, you know, this is her giving permission. I was wondering
4: what was going on. I said, I do, but it came out so quietly that no one heard me, and the whole room went completely silent. And my heart just stopped, and they asked me again. And so by that point, I was really emotional, and I I forced myself to say it louder, and I did put her hand in his. Everybody else stays, you know, and and mingles and, you know, congratulates and things like that, and, and I left right after. I didn't want questions. I just needed to be able to deal with it in my own time and before Brady and I left on our honeymoon
1: um Brady says you should go talk to Robin and just just talk to her and and that was a scary thing for me to do for me to go talk to Robin and find out what was wrong you know because I'm the new wife I'm I'm the person who is disrupting this this bubble this sweet family and so I did I went down and talked to her and she she gave me a hug I was really going through a hard time you know I felt bad cuz because you're the new person, you know, you're marrying a husband that's already a husband. And even though this was a really hard thing for her to do, she would be okay. She welcomed me. She was very sweet.
2: But Rosemary wouldn't be the new wife for long. Three years later, Brady married Noni. Wife number four.
5: Hi, how are you? My name is Noni Williams.
3: And then Rhonda, wife number five.
5: Oh, wait, 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 wait. My name is Rhonda.
3: I had five wives by the time I was 29 years old. Even for polygamous standards, that's way fast. And altogether, they had a lot of kids.
4: My first is Carly, Josh, Madeline, Peppy, Mara,
3: and and Camry.
4: My kids are Hannah,
3: Lauren, Dane, Tommy, and Trey. And Trey Trey is
5: my fifth. Kimberly,
3: Taylor, James, and then Moogie or Brandon. Paul Paul
5: was the 10th child of the family. Rachel, Marissa,
3: Buddha or Aiden, Haley, Addison. And Rhonda's kids are Eden, Lake,
6: Arwen, Nicholas,
3: For those not counting, that is 25
2: children, five wives, and one husband, plus some dogs and cats. They started off all under one roof, but eventually Brady built a house for each of his five wives in a town at the base of the Wasatch Mountains. It's called Rocky
3: Ridge.
4: It's a really, really tiny town.
3: We have one big, grand pavement that goes up, and then all the other roads are dirt roads.
4: And it was... Founded by my grandfather, Marvin Allred, they wanted to start a community where they could live united order.
3: You know, it's
2: just a quaint little polygamous town. Brady would spend one night at a time with each of his five wives, rotating through the week. I took it
1: in stride that, you know, he would be spending the night with Polly, or if he'd be spending the night with Robin. That was their time, and and it was as special to to them as my time was to me, and so I should respect that. If you expect your husband to only pay attention to you, it's going to be hard for you. And if you think about what he's doing in the other bedroom, you're only painting yourself.
6: Rosemary was extremely generous. She moved out of her uh, master bedroom and suite so that I could have my own little place in her home. We had so much fun when Brady would go out of town we would watch movies together, and we had babies that were about a little less than a year apart. And, you know, we'd wash dishes basically together. You know, we only had one hand available because we each had a baby on the other hand, and we would wash it together. Just, you know, you hold this pan while I scrub.
3: So the first, oh, man, 10 years, maybe eight years, life was great. Brady was rising pretty quickly through the
2: ranks of the AUB leadership.
3: I think a lot of that was tied to the amount of wives I got at a very young age. I was called to be the bishop over the united order of Rocky Ridge and also a a 70 apostle.
2: Which is a group of hand-picked men, the prophet's inner circle. It was they who made decisions for their thousands of followers. Every Sunday, Brady drove an hour north to a meeting of the AUB leadership.
3: 70s Corps meeting was kind of like the special boys club. There was what, maybe 30 men in there, all the way up to the prophet of, of the group and his apostles, and then all of us underlings, the 70s, and they were just talking about how we needed to come down hard on how our children are being and how rebellious they're being by wearing the fashions of the day. And a man gets up and says, we have women in our group that are so good that they would lead their own daughters into the stoning pits for being rebellious. And I go, wait, what? (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm looking around the room and all these men are nodding their heads, you know, and I'm just like, holy hell. Like, what did I just hear? Couldn't imagine Polly taking Carly by the hand, you know, Carly's my 12 year old daughter and leaning her into the stony pits because she, you know, heaven forbid, smarted off to me or went out and made out with her boyfriend or something. You know, I, I just couldn't imagine that. And I'm just like, wait, what? I don't, I don't own my wives. And then I realized in a very, very real way, those women had been raised to think it's Okay to be owned by me. I couldn't believe that I had raised this family to believe those same horrible things. The problem
2: was if Brady revealed even
3: just a shred
2: of skepticism to his family, the result would be disastrous. Leaving the
3: AUB would be like burning down his own house. And so I just kept it to myself. And I kept studying, I kept on reading, I I kept more and more embracing a progressive ideal within myself, but going through the motions of being a fundamentalist.
2: In secret, Brady ordered books on spirituality, feminism, philosophy.
3: One time, I actually took one of these banned books and I, I wrapped it in a brown paper bag like a book cover and took it to church because church was so boring and I wanted to keep reading and I knew what I was doing was not approved by the brethren and so I had to be careful.
2: But it turns out Brady was terrible at keeping secrets from his wives. We'd be laying
1: in bed and he would say I wish I could tell you what I was thinking and I'd be like why can't you tell me what you're thinking I want to know what you're thinking you know and he's like I can't I can't. I wanted to have those conversations with him, and I felt like I couldn't because I didn't understand they were anti anti everything that that I had been taught.
3: Here's another book about Joseph Smith and his treatment of women and how it wasn't very appropriate, and they go, Wait, what are you reading and I, oh, it's just a you know it's a really good history book.
4: He might wait for me to ask you know what are you reading and and ask if I could read it as well, and I would read part of him and then just put him away because they were too different, too much for me.
1: He had started to build a library of things that my sister calls spiritual porn. You know, Eckhart Tolle and Thich Nhat Hanh and Ken Wilber and a bunch of these other philosophers. And it was a big deal to read some of these books. If it's not church canon or written by one of the people in the group, then you know it's pretty taboo.
3: My wives were so devoted to, to fundamentalism, I knew they would leave me if I left the faith. They would probably be recommended to another man's family to be taken care of. There would be plenty of suitors that would take another woman to be a jewel in his crown. I would go from five wives and 25 children to a bachelor, and I would be left all alone.
1: I was afraid he would leave me, that he would take his favorite wife, and I thought it was Polly, and and leave. That's what we had seen so many other people do. You know, when, when other people leave the religion, it's not like they take their whole family with them. They, they usually just end up with one wife because they eschew the, the polygamy part of it. And so I, I had <clears throat> depression <laughs> because of that. I felt like I was standing on a cliff and Brady had jumped over. And and what was I going to do? And so I asked him if I could read some of the things that he was reading.
0: Oh, we've just gotten started, Snappers. The stunning conclusion in Snap Judgment, the True Believer episode continues. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. Before we left off, Rosemary's husband, Brady, had built quite the collection of books banned by their fundamentalist religion, the AUB. He was turning into a skeptic, leaving Rosemary to worry that any day now, Brady might take his favorite wife and leave the AUB. Snap Judgment.
1: I felt like I was standing on a cliff and Brady had jumped over. And what was I gonna do? And so I asked him if I could read some of the things that
2: he was reading. In fact, without really discussing what they were doing, each of the wives started picking up a book here, thumbing through a couple pages there. It was a challenge
1: for me to even pick them up. You know, you're on the road to apostasy as soon as you pick
4: up one of these books. It was terrifying. The biggest challenge for me was when I thought about starting to choose for myself and make my own decisions rather than just being obedient, because that meant that ultimately I was responsible. And it was really exhilarating, but really scary for me in a way, because I had never felt that way in my life.
2: One by one, Brady started sharing his stash of spiritual porn with Polly, Robin, Rosemary, Rhonda, and then Noni.
5: I was furious with him for even questioning, because that would mean that I eventually would have to leave him.
2: Noni was only 19 when she moved away from her family in Montana in order to marry Brady.
5: I was going to stay true to the faith. You're going to hell and I'm not going to follow you. It's better to
1: stay in the religion and leave your family than to leave the religion. And so for a while it just was kind of unclear, you know, what would happen to our family. I was worried that our family would be split up. For me to
4: leave the polygamist faith that I was raised in, was to give up the only life I'd ever known and every one of my siblings, my parents, my grandparents, my cousins, everyone, even my friends, (laughs) they were all part of that polygamous group.
2: It seemed each wife was spiritually miles apart until a Sunday meeting where the head of the AUB introduced a new edict that said AUB women shouldn't pierce their ears.
1: By Wednesday, we were talking about it in the laundry room. I had never pierced my ears at that point. I hadn't really even thought about it that much. But now it was something that I couldn't do because somebody decided that it was bad. I actually felt, for the first time, where I wanted to
6: rebel. I started researching in the scriptures to see if I could find anything that said that I couldn't pierce my ears. I even brought him to my dad because I still respected him so much and wanted to know what he thought about it. And we looked together and he said, you know, I, I can't find anything, sweetheart. There's, you know, there's nothing in there. Me and Polly and Robin and
1: Rhonda, we all went together and pierced our ears.
4: We all drove in the same car.
1: It was such a moment of rebellion for all
5: of us. But <laughs> We took Noni along. She wasn't ready to get her ears pierced at the time. I was supportive of them. I didn't feel like they were going to hell. I wasn't ready to be disobedient. I didn't feel like it would be liberating like it was for them. And maybe part of it was that I wanted to prove to myself I wasn't following them either. It was gonna be my decision. We walked in, I think it was Claire's
4: at the mall. I had my baby Trey and Polly had her baby Camry on our hips and we're standing there and they said, oh, so are we doing the babies today? Because here we were, these 30-year-old women you know, four of us standing there to were. Oh no, it's for us, and we all ended up going with diamond studs. But some of us chose small ones, and sh- some of us chose bigger ones. I walked out of that store, and I felt like I was
6: floating. We made a decision, and oh, no one was controlling us. I, I can't even describe how good that feeling felt. Not have someone, you know, telling me to do something and me just following blindly.
4: So after we we got our ears pierced, and then we all decided we were gonna go out to lunch, and I think we went to Sizzler, and we just did like their all-you-can-eat buffet, and none of us could stop smiling. We were just in a very good place at that point.
2: But then came the blowback,
3: Rhonda's dad, Ron Allred, who is one of the apostles, and Really, one of the high-ranking apostles. He pulls me aside one day after church, and uh, and he says, "Brady, listen. We're we're considering you for higher blessings." And he says, "But we need you to tell your wives to take out their pierced earrings and let the let their ears grow in because you can't receive any more blessings as long as they have that, and they need to stop." wearing so much makeup, and modern clothing. When I just says, well, Ron, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to have to side with my wives. And besides, I think they look really pretty. So do what you got to do. That was a crescendo point for us.
1: I was afraid to go for walks, not for my safety, but because people would see me and I'd be afraid of their judgment.
5: Several people within the community would give the stink eye or or you'd wave at them and they'd just, purposely ignore you. It was like, God, come on, seriously? I'm still a person. I had gone to the store.
1: As I was walking around the produce section, I was approached by one of my friends, and she came up to me, and she's like, hey, Rosemary, how are you doing? You know, we haven't seen you for a long time, and yeah, I haven't been around for a while. And she gave me this hug, and her arms were around me, and, and I could just feel her hand kind of just rubbing my my shoulders to try to feel for the, the garment collar. And I was pretty certain she was thinking, Oh my gosh, she's taken her garments off. How am I gonna treat her now?
2: Rosemary's friend was checking to
3: see if she was wearing her sacred garments. It's like long underwear. And they're placed on you with an edict that you never remove them.
1: We had to wear them every day. They come out to your neck and they come down to your wrists and to your ankles. They go under your clothes and they're made of white tricot or another light fabric. But they're just supposed to remind you of the covenant you make.
2: Rosemary was one of the first wives to stop wearing the garments. (sighs)
1: It was really hard to make that choice. There was a still fear in me. And honestly, I still feel it once in a while. Once you've taken those up, you have effectively removed yourself from all of the the special things that people get to do in the group. You know, go to the ordinance building and participate in
5: prayers and um, and even going to church. It was definitely a family-altering decision. You know, I had a conversation with my sister one time. You know, I was telling her that, you know, some of my, my views, and she was saying, you know, everything's fine. You can have those views, but as long as you don't take off your garments. And I remember at the time going, oops, I already have. I knew I was out. I had made that decision. Brady had removed his garments, Robin
6: had removed hers. I held back and I wanted to not give up. I didn't want to give that up without being absolutely sure that I was going down the wrong path first. And so um, in the end, I realized that my children were now watching me. I wanted to have them have their life started on a better starting point than my life had. And so I turned my focus from pleasing my parents to looking out for my children and being a mother, the mother that I wanted
5: to be. After leaving the faith, um, the question came to, what what in the hell am I living this way for? If there's no reason, if there's no heaven or hell in it anymore, why? What am I going to do?
1: Okay, this life isn't going to take me to heaven, do I still want to live it? And I think I went through a time where I really had to decide if my family was worth it to me.
5: My own conclusion was that Brady was a good husband. He was a good father. And I had good sister wives. And they had a good family. And my kids had a good social structure. And I actually had it pretty darn good with them.
6: Each sister wife, we talked about it a lot amongst ourselves, even you know when Brady wasn't there. It's not just... That I would be giving up Brady, I'd be giving up
1: Bronda and Robin and Polly and Noni, and all the kids. And I'm I'm emotional because what can I say? They mean a lot to me. So we are no longer a part of the AUB, but we are still a, a polygamous family. And whereas we have always been. In this family structure, where um, you know Brady loves us, he loves the children. We have twenty-five wonderful kids, um, and we we love and respect each other. And and there's you know there's the same issues that we dealt with before, and there's there's still the same trials and struggles, but there's also the same joys and and
4: the wonderful times that we have together. Choosing to stay with Brady and my sister wives, it wasn't, you know, a decision I'd made because it was the only way to heaven. It was a decision I made because just out of love.
6: I walked into Noni's kitchen. She was making dinner that night for the family. And I walked in and I seriously got this strong, Um It was like more of a feeling, more than a voice, but a feeling of, you are home. I knew that this is that was where I was supposed to be.
4: We didn't have dishwashers for quite a while. Where, then Yeah. Oh, we we, were we built the homes. We
5: didn't, we didn't put dishwashers
4: in. And then we had, for a while, we had what we called the wives fund, where everybody put extra money into this fund and let it build for six months. And then we all went together one day and got dishwashers. Oh,
2: wow. It was a good day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could imagine. What it was.
5: Rosemary, let me wash, because you know. Oh, I would to wash. Oh, I'll <laughs> we'll let you guys find over. I'll first. Well,
1: i was here for a couple of months. All right, I'll. Well, and we Imagine that you were born on a cruise liner, and you have all these people, and you're going to the same place. And all you have to do is just not get off the boat. And at some point, you realize that the destination may not be where you want to go. So you you make the decision together. At the next stop, you're gonna go on this excursion and not get back on the boat. You've left behind the people that you've known since birth, and they're taking off. They're on the cruise liner still, and you've decided that you're gonna make your own way.
0: Big Banks, to Rosemary, Noni, Brady, Rhonda, Robin, and Polly. This story comes to us from Tyler Meesum, a filmmaker based in Salt Lake City, Utah. We'll have links to his documentaries and more info on the Williams family on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score and sound design was by Renzo Gorio. That story was produced by Tyler Meesum and Adiza Egan. Snap Judgment was brought to you by the greatest team that ever believed. Give it up for the good parson himself, the Uber producer, Mark Ristich. Pat Messini-Miller keeps the lockdown locked down. Anna Sussman believes in love. Renzo Gorio believes in dubs. Joe Rosenberg has seen the abyss. Nancy Lopez flicks the wrist. Leon Morimoto is on the team, while Adiza Egan has a dream. Miss Matt she finds dreams impractical. Tale, the genius inside the cot. Eliza Smith can't wait. Jasmine Aguilera enjoys parsnips. And even though this is not the news, no way is this the news. In fact, could slip on a banana peel, fall down not one, not two, but three flights of stairs, stand up at the bottom, feeling like a million bucks to the point you cancel your chiropractic appointment and even then you would still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.